0: Hi, I'm Bob Eckblad. Welcome to my podcast, Disciple, Word, Spirit, Justice, Witness. Today's podcast I'm entitling, Visiting Rahab, Exemplary Hostess of the Kingdom of God. And I want to look at the sending of the spies. You know, Joshua sends out two spies. And the sending out of pairs of people is something we see um, in the New Testament when Jesus sends out the 70. So I want to look a bit at that and then trace back uh, beginning in Genesis and bringing us all the way up to Joshua, just that pattern of how God sends uh, pairs of people as missionaries. And then look at how Rahab um, embodies the hostess that welcomes the kingdom and look at what we can learn from that for our missional practices today. So I'd like to begin actually by, by looking at Jesus' sending of the 70 in Luke chapter 10. So, um, we see that Jesus sends out um, these 70. He says to them, The harvest is plentiful, and the laborers are few. Therefore, beg the Lord of the harvest to cast out laborers into his harvest. Go, therefore, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way, Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace be to this house. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on that person. And if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are in it who are sick. And say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. Now, this is Jesus who's uh, sending out people in Paris, and some of these instructions we can we can see um, glimpses of, of these earlier in, um, in the Old Testament. But I want to just begin by the first example of you know of pairs, and we see that in actually Genesis chapter one, where God creates the humans, male and female, and um, you know and the, they're made in God's image, and He says, "Be fruitful." and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, Um, rule over the, you know, the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And, you know, so we see that commissioning of, you know, of the humans in as a pair that are to um, fill the earth and subdue it. And, you know, we see that again in, in a different way in Genesis two, where, God says, it is not good for the earthling, for the human one, to be alone. And then God uh, makes someone who corresponds to, you know, that earthling by, uh, you know, through an operation. And, and that's how the woman is is uh, created as a vis-a-vis to the man. And um, anyway, we see then in Genesis chapter 18, where we have the three people that come to visit Abraham. And... Um, you know, and Abraham identifies them as the Lord using the divine name. But um, after Abraham uh, welcomes them with this lavish hospitality, and and they give a promise of uh, of, of uh, Sarah giving birth to, you know, a, a child, Isaac. Then um, they decide that God decides God's going to reveal to Abraham what he's going to do in Sodom, and um, and he he sends these two. Uh, angels down to Sodom and Gomorrah, Um, he tells Abraham, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great, and their sin is exceedingly grave. I will go down now and see if they have done entirely according to its outcry, which has come to me, and if not, I will know. And then the men, the two men, turned away from there and went down towards Sodom, while Abraham was standing before the Lord. And, and, uh, you know, when these two angels, they're described as angels in chapter 19, verse 1, they come down to Sodom and Lot ends up um, welcoming them into his home. And he offers them all this hospitality. And then they're surrounded by the men of Sodom who want to violate them. And then we have this rescue operation. They jump into uh, rescue mode and, um, and they cause all the men to be blinded and and then they grab uh, Lot by by the hand, and you know, and first of all, tell him to get you know his daughters and his wife and and their um, their husbands and and to be ready to, to flee. And to, and he tells them you know leave. And he pulls them right out of the city. And and so you have um, that notion of salvation as rescue, you know. And these two um, angels that operate that, that operate operate that way. And. Anyway, then we see in Joshua chapter, um, you know, just Joshua chapter 2, which is our text for today, um, where we have, you know, this uh, also two people that are being sent. So let's look at Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. And um, so here we have two spies that are sent. And uh, I find this really interesting. Here it's Joshua. And in the Greek um, Old Testament, Joshua is spelled exactly like Jesus is in the Greek New Testament. So it's Jesus who's sending out these two men as here as spies. Um, Actually, the term is is a really interesting term in Greek, which is um, kataskopeo. So they're they're actually sent to kind of scope out the land, and uh, in a way that is somewhat similar to to what we see in you know in Genesis uh, you know Genesis chapter 19, except you know in Genesis 18 19 they're they're actually going out because they've heard of the outcry you know of the inhabitants of Sodom, so they're they're going to go on sort of a you know to scope out the situation as well and decide how God's going to you know deal with you know the the evil that's happening there anyway, back to Joshua. So Joshua sends two, but why, why two? You know, um, if we go back to Numbers chapter 13, we, we have the answer to that question. And we see that um, originally um, there was a spy mission that, that Moses was involved in. He was told by the Lord um, to send men to spy out the land of Canaan, um, which, he, which he was going to give to the sons of Israel. And so he takes um, one man from each of the twelve tribes of Israel, and then he says, "Spy out the land." and um, and he gives them all these instructions. And when they return from spying out the land after forty days, they go and they they report to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the of the sons of Israel what what they found. And um, anyway, they went and they said, "We went into the land. This is verse twenty seven where you sent us, and it was, certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is this, this is its fruit. And uh, nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and the side of the Jordan. And so there's this report of all the dangers. And, and uh, you know, the, these spies, a lot of them are really intimidated. And then, then we have Caleb, um, who quieted the people and said, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. And um, so Joshua and Caleb, two out of the 12, are, um, you know, are really all about, like, going for it. And they're calling the people to, uh, you know, to go and to be victorious. But then the other ten, who had gone up with him, said, "Um, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone, in spying it out, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in are men of great size. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who were part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight, and uh, then that leads to this this huge rebellion where, um, you know, the people rebel against Moses and Aaron, they want to raise someone up who will take them back to Egypt, and so the the negative report ends up just creating this huge conflict, and so I I wonder whether Joshua now, when he's the one that's sending the spies, he's going to do it differently, and he decides to send two men uh, based on his positive experiences of experience of going out with uh you know with him and he and and Caleb so um but anyway so but here we have this mention of the Nephilim which is um, a reference back to pre-flood where we have this mention of these um divine beings it, it talks about how the sons of God you know like uh like the like the divine Council so these were like maybe angels who are described as Going down and and sleeping with the daughters of men with with women, humans and and then these giants these, you know sort of a uh, half god like you know um, human creatures that are you know like demonized humans or something, um, you know it's it's like that's one of the reasons for the flood is because the earth becomes uh, there's this transgression of divine beings with with you know with women you know humans and. That leads to God's, uh, you know, evil and violence just becoming rampant throughout um, the earth and, and the earth becoming just, you know, fouled. And then it um, that leads to God's judgment in the flood. And I, anyway, these ne- Nephilim, the fallen ones, um, are back now in the book of Joshua. They're mentioned, so apparently the flood didn't do away with them completely. And, uh, you know, in one, of, um, one of the things that I believe that we can see throughout the Old Testament is um, signs of... That the powers and principalities You know what Paul calls the powers and principalities um, You know he says We're not in a struggle against flesh and blood But against rulers and authorities And powers and and You know the dark world forces Forces of darkness in the heavenly places And you know you see This um, actually right from the beginning Of Genesis I think in Genesis 1 When the spirit is hovering over the chaos The darkness You know um, and And um, you see signs of there being, there having been a cosmic um, war of sorts, where um, where you have um, the powers that have fallen from heaven, um, and, are, and are at large on the earth. Which is why, you know, the the man and the woman are are given this uh, role to fill the earth and to subdue it and to rule over, because there are predatory powers that are at large. And so here they are in um, in you know kind of rearing their ugly heads in. In Joshua chapter 13. And, and so when Joshua goes then into the land, um, or sends the, 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 these people from Shittim, he's, uh, he's sending the, the people, um, these, these, um, you know, these two spies from a location where there'd actually been just a lot of troubles. Like, uh, I mean, Shittim has sort of a, a history. It's, it's a place in the, the Moab, the valley of Moab, which is, you know, in the wilderness, um, outside of the land of Israel, um, on the wilderness side of the Jordan River, uh, directly opposite to Jericho, and um, you know, right, right, sort of by the the Dead Sea, north of Dead Sea, and um, in Numbers twenty twenty five, we see that there's a, a lot of bad things that happen right at this sort of this border town. Which was the place from which um, Joshua is now sending spies um, in chapter twenty-five, verse one. While Israel remained at Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab, for they invited the people to, sac- to the sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. And this was one of the things that um, was happening all the time. The Israelites were, you know, were told to stay away from the Canaanites, stay away from the, you know, from pagan. Uh, peoples who had other deities who, you know, because in, in, in becoming joined with these, you know, these pagan wives, then, then they were often led right into, you know, the occult practices that they were involved in and in worshiping at the high places and worshiping Baal and all that. And that's exactly what happens in Shittim. So Israel joined themselves to Baal of Peor and the Lord was angry against Israel. And there's this huge confrontation that happens there. So Shittim, um, we were talking about this in our Tierra Nueva service Sunday. is like the shitty place, you know, the place where um, you know where a lot of bad stuff happened. It's kind of the the last place before there's a turning, you know, and a conversion and a crossing over into the new life. And um, and so Joshua is there, and and this was place also where sermons were given, like Moses gave his final farewell address, and You know, so, um, the sending out of the spies was, um, was really a bold act that I think today, you know, um, we can try to think about what would be the equivalent of Shittim for us, you know, maybe the, the, the place before we enter into a new frontier of, you know, where we're called to advance God's kingdom somewhere. And so, um, now let's continue with Joshua chapter, chapter two and see what happens when, um, you know when these um, folks cross over, so so they went and they came into the house of a harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Okay, so wow, that's kind of worrisome. Right away, these these uh, two spies um, don't seem to be doing any spying, do they? It's like the language that is used here is evokes um, you know a lot of uh, you know potential raised eyebrows. Um, so they came and they came into this language of coming into is, is very sexual language and it, and it's very suggestive. And, um, they came into the house of a, of a prostitute whose name was Rahab. And that name Rahab actually means open. So they came into an open woman and, um, and of course open can have a positive sense. And, um, but it also has, Rahab also has a very negative sense because, uh, Ah, uh, Rahab in um, the book of Job is like um, a mythical sea monster and sort of an evil power. And and so, what is this? Who is this Rahab? Um, and we as readers are are wondering and um, whether this is going to be just the beginning of another scandal story. But um, what we see is that um, the king of Jericho was on to it. So apparently, these spies weren't very adept. And he sent word to Rahab saying. Bring out the men who came into you. Once again, the the you know the imagery is very um, suggestive. Um, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Okay, now check out this woman who is, um, in a way, uh, thinking using the language of Luke chapter ten, is a woman of peace, right? She's um, um, potentially a woman um, who is welcoming these these pilgrim missionaries who. You know who, um, you know when they're when they're welcomed into a house, they're supposed to stay there, um, and receive the hospitality. But the woman had taken the two men, had hidden them. Okay, so wow, right away, she's uh, providing covering, and um, and this evokes the Exodus, where um, you know where the you know baby Moses was hidden by the mother, even uh, against the law, because she was supposed to cast uh, any male babies into the into the you know, the Red Sea or into the Nile River. And she said, yes, the men the men came to me, truth. But I did not know where they were from, lie. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out, lie. I do not know where the men went, lie. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them, lie. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks um, of the flax which she had laid under the roof, um, in order on the roof, so that's pretty amazing. That um, here we have this exemplary hospitality, and um, and she's offering protection, much like um, Lot had protected, you know these, uh, I mean these angels. Although much, it's actually much more exemplary than anything Lot did, because Lot was, you know, ready to throw out his uh, virgin daughters to the, you know to the, you know the the violators. But anyway, so here we have. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who had were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. So wow, uh, the pursuers are shut out of the city, and you know um, the spies are safe and sound in Rahab's house. Um, now before they lay down, and, and once again the term lay down are, is is very suggestive as well, right, and. It was used earlier. And so um, she came up to them on the roof and she said to the men, and here is where we have this amazing um, like sermon of sorts, and um, where I want to spend a little bit of time modeling or showing how um, Rahab is a model believer. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. And so here she is, she's actually stating exactly what um, Caleb and Joshua had stated to uh, you know to, to Moses when they came in after their spy mission, and um, the terror of you has fallen on us, and um, and I know that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. Okay, um, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. Wow! So here is um, a Canaanite who is the enemy um, from the enemy camp you know uh, living in this border city which is you know the first place that was going to be taken eventually and she's bearing witness to the victory of God's people in in, in a miraculous victory and what she's saying is subversive too because um, Egypt dominated the whole region it was a superpower and the king of Jericho and the kings of all of these Canaanite uh, city-states were beholden to um, Egypt. They were like vassals of Egypt, and so, um, so really, what Joshua is 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 an extension of the Exodus. As uh, you know, a friend of mine, Matthew um, Lynch, describes beautifully in this new book that's coming out that I'm going to be referring to a little bit later. And it's a book um, that Matthew Lynch has written that is going to be published in February by IVP Academic called Flood and Fury, Old Testament Violence and the Shalom of God. So I'm going to be referring to that a bit um, soon. Anyway, um, so Rahab then goes on into into some detail. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you and um, when when you came out of Egypt. Now just coming out of Egypt you know, like a, a vulnerable people group, slaves, uh, being able to succeed at breaking free from, you know, the superpower of the day. Like, wow, that's, you know, to be able to bear witness to that was, you know, was huge. And then this next part is actually super important. And she continues, and we heard what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And uh, when we heard it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. And uh, why would that be the case? Well, there's a whole backstory that we need to look at now regarding Og. And here I'm going to read from um, Matthew Lynch's book on page 181. So... Um, the Egyptian pharaoh and Mesopotamian kings were truly larger than life, powerfully divine and superior in strength. They definitely gave off a who-do-you-think-you-are vibe. And this is from his chapter called Giants Will Fall. Descriptions of giants in the Old Testament reflect these images of royal giantism. Maria Linquist points out that King Og's 14-foot bed Um, in Deuteronomy 3.11, was about the same size as the Babylonian deity Marduk's bed. The parallel highlights the king's surpassing power and virility. Third, these kings weren't only big and powerful. Ancient people thought they were supernatural. Og's supernatural status is hinted at in several ancient sources. One Phoenician inscription from Byblos refers to Og as a spirit of the dead or underworld deity. An old Ugaritic text from around 1200 BC talks about embodied spirits of the dead called Rephaim, who inhabited the earth. And their chief, named uh, Rapu, dwelled in Edre and in Athterat, And these are the same ex- exact cities where Rephaim lived, according to Joshua, in Joshua 12.4 and 13.12, and where Og of giant bed frame lived, uh, Deuteronomy 1.4. So, um, so there, there's a direct connection between Og and, um, and these, you know, these embodied spirits of the dead. And, and then, um, there's a reference to Mount Hermon too, within Og's territory, Joshua 12, um, which connects Og with a place often considered to be a divine residence in the ancient world. And I've been to that place, like up in the North of Israel, there's this huge cave, which was viewed as Og's abode. And so, um. As Does Dozman argues, quote, the defeat of Sion and Og represents both political and cosmological battles against kings and royal cities. Okay, so for her to affirm that, um, you know, that that she and, and her people, um, are they, they know about what the people of God did to the two kings of the Amorites, you know, to Sion and Og, whom... Um, she says, you utterly destroyed. Like that's, that's like saying like, we, we know that you guys in the, in your past battles have defeated these underworld powers. Um, and so what would be the equivalent of something like Og, um, you know, um, or even Egypt, you know, um, you know, powers like that in our own day and age that would really intimidate us that, you know, the the Nephilim, you know, like powers that would have intimidated the, the 10 spies that um you know that were afraid um and um you know i think i think of something like like fentanyl right now which is such a huge power in our area i mean it's uh, i just read how right now it is the number one cause of death for people between um something like the age of 18 and 49 in the united states you know and and we see the just the ravages of of this of this drug you know, part of the opioid epidemic and in our town, right, right around us, there's so many deaths right now. And in Seattle in August, there were like over 110 deaths that were, that were reported and probably more. So, you know, um, fentanyl is like really intimidating. Um, I think of Santa Muerte, which is a, a power that, um, a, a deity that, you know, like Saint, um, Saint Death, it, it's literally translated as, which many of the cartels, you know, a lot of people that are drug runners and, and gang members in, in the Mexican mafia, they, you know, they worship that deity and they, and they make sacrifices, human sacrifices even to it. And it, it's a power that is intimidating to a lot of the people that we work with. And I think of um, in our, you know, in our consciousness, you know, something like like uh, cancer or, or, you know, some, you know, really, really bad cancers like uh, pancreatic cancer you know, or, um, you know, when the pandemic started, COVID was, had a mythical quality to it. And, and, you know, what are the powers that would be like, Og, you know, that if they were defeated, or if somebody was convinced that, um, that the people of God had, had, you know, um, could dominate over them that, you know, that that would, that would impress them greatly. You know, I mean, we know that Jesus conquered the power of death itself, right. You know, and, and yet we cower before the fear of, you know lots of things right lots of different um future pandemics and and just um even um issues like white supremacy or you know or um, or racism or or just the ascendancy of of superpowers like china or or russia or or just the threat of nuclear annihilation and um i think we need to think about what it is that would cause us to cower and to keep us from advancing into um you know into into maybe uncharted territory for us, you know, maybe going into areas where we know people are, are heavily armed or, you know, or who are, in, you know, involved in, in witchcraft or in, you know, in, you know, or, or who have political viewpoints that, you know, would really be considered um, hostile to us. Anyway, um, Rahab here is someone who is affirming um, the victory of God's people to these spies, and um, and she goes on and affirms, the you know, God as the, the you know, the God of the creator of the world. He um, says, um, when we heard of it, our hearts melted, and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. Wow. So, um, she's really, um, preaching a, a beautiful gospel, um, to these spies and, um, and standing on that gospel, um, with hope that, you know, that these spies will include her as a beneficiary, and so she's really modeling, um, you know, a, a posture of radical faith um, and belief in the victory of God, isn't she? So the men said to her, our life for yours. Okay, so, I mean, she's she's risking her life to help these people, and, um, and they're recognizing it, and right now they're breaking the law by making an alliance with a Canaanite, um, and, A Canaanite prostitute even more. Um, But we see this kind of thing happening throughout the Hebrew Bible and throughout the New Testament. And this is a beautiful aspect of the gospel is, um, you know, Rahab is just one of of a number of women characters in the genealogy of Jesus, who are women of ill repute. You know, you have um, Judah uh, and Tamar, you know, and, and Judah going in and uh, sleeping with Tamar, who dresses herself as a prostitute. And, you know, she's one of the mothers of, you know, of Judah, who is uh ancestor to um, to King David and to the Messiah, to Jesus as well, right? But anyway, let's, um, let's just look at what happens here. So the men say, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. And it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. they embrace her and they include her and i think this is um, an invitation to us to um you know to visit rahab to look for rahab-like characters you know people that we would maybe normally disqualify and we would because of our judgments and our prejudices you know we wouldn't um, consider allying ourselves with certain people because uh you know of how it might look or whatever and you know i think you know, we see a posture, a missionary posture here that is willing to take risks. And uh, of course, Jesus, he does the same thing. He's a, he's he eats with tax collectors and sinners. You know, he associates with um, people, with women of ill repute, like the woman who comes into Simon's house and you know anoints him his his feet or wipes you know washes his feet with her tears and and you know if and Simon says if you know if if this man were a prophet he would know what kind of woman. That she is that she's a sinner so we see that jesus himself is he receives the hospitality you know of of people and his kingdom advances you know in the quote-unquote enemy camp or at least those that the religious um you know extreme religious people of the day the pharisees the scribes the high priests all those people would have viewed as you know as disqualified and so what does it look like for us to receive hospitality from people of peace that, um, maybe would, um, would cause others to, you know, to squirm and to, and to, and to feel uneasy and to judge. I, um, I want to keep going with the story a little bit before we, um, we, we, we go back to, uh, you know, so some, some conclusions. So verse 15, then she, she let them down by a rope through the window for her house was on the city wall. So that, um, she so that she was living on the wall. So here's a woman who's living right on the border, you know, right on 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 the margins at the at at the at the edge right of town, and is a prostitute. And she's um, letting them escape. She's functioning really like, um, you know, like the angels who helped Lot and his uh, daughters escape. And then she gives them um, instructions. She said to them, "Go to the hill country, so that the pursuers will not happen upon you." And hide yourself there for three days until the pursuers return. Then afterwards you may go on your way. And the men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear, unless, when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and you gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother, and your brothers, and all your father's household. And it shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if a hand is laid on him. Um, but if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be free from the oath with which you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Wow, doesn't this remind you of the Passover? You know where um, the Israelites they they were uh, told to, you know, kill a lamb and to and to anoint um, the doorposts of the house with the blood and and for uh, the whole family to remain inside the house, you know, uh, until the angel of death would pass over, and um, you know and and that blood of the lamb and and then the roasted meat of the lamb was what they were to, you know, to eat and they were to, you know, to to eat it with their, um, you know, all dressed, you know, ready with their staffs in their hands, ready to to flee and to leave. And, you know, here we have um, a similar picture, I think. So it says, They departed and they came to the hill country and remained there for three days until the pursuers returned. Now the pursuers had sought them all along the road, but had not found them. Um, So anyway, isn't that beautiful that um, this woman of peace gives some very detailed insider sort of uh, instructions and, um, and which saved these guys' lives. And, you know, we need people like this, don't we? And we at Tierra Nueva, we we have a whole history of, of relationships with different people who have been people of peace who've welcomed us and and given us the green light into their communities. And, and they've given us, and we've learned from them. We, we continue to learn on a regular basis, you know, how we can advance uh, forward and, and, and reach people that, um, you know, that haven't been reached, haven't been um, able to, you know, people haven't been able to win their trust, but trust is being won because, uh, because of, of, of key people, you know, who um, others maybe would have, would have judged and, and not even, um, not even received their hospitality. But as we've learned how to receive hospitality guided by the Holy Spirit, you know, we've experienced lots of breakthrough. So, uh, the two men returned, and they came down from the hill country. They crossed over, and they came to Joshua, the son of Nun. And they related to him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, Surely the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Moreover, all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before us. Wow. So, um, anyway, I think of this um, witness that, um, you know, that, Rahab offers and I it makes me it makes me really think just about um, how really she's bearing witness to the the power of um, that, that the people of God actually wield and, and that we carry and 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 how critical it is that we understand you know that we've been given authority and um, I think about when the 70 return you know these um, thirty five. Uh, pairs of, you know, of twos, these twos that after their mission, they came back with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know, even um, the ogs and, um, and the, you know, the, the Nephilim or whatever the, you know, the powers um, are subject and um, to us in the name of Jesus. So, so these, these disciples, they were really, they were really discovering, um, maybe like these spies that um, they were on the winning side. And he said to them, "I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Um, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you." And um, anyway, I just, uh, I just think this this story of of Rahab has so much to teach us, and uh, you know, and we see that Rahab is 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 presented as a model of faith, isn't she? You know, we see this in Hebrews chapter 11, where, um, you know, we see that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, this is verse 30, after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the harlot, did not perish along with those who were disobedient, after she had welcomed the spies in peace. So Rahab is elevated here as someone, you know, who welcomes the spies, and, and because of that, because of her hospitality you know she is a uh, you know she's a model of faith and then we see in James chapter 2 verse 24 uh, it says you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone in the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way for just as the body without the spirit is dead so also faith without works is dead so um there, um, you know this. Um, you know this woman Rahab is once again elevated as a model, and um, I just want to, you know, just uh, just end by just thinking about what does it look like for us to, you know, visit the Rahabs of our time, and to receive the hospitality, and um, and the covering, and um, you know we see um, as we move right now towards celebrating Jesus's birth that um, there's examples of Rahab-like characters that are mentioned just right after the genealogy where Rahab appears in, you know, in Matthew chapter 1. And let's just look at some examples of this right now. Right at the very beginning of the gospel, the first gospel, Matthew chapter um, 1, you know, we have... uh, you know we have this this genealogy and then but it's the genealogy of Joseph, and um, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is verse eighteen. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Okay, so Mary um, had become pregnant with uh, someone else and. And so, according to the law of Moses, she and the person that slept with her would be stoned, okay? Um, but Joseph not wanting, you know, to bring uh, shame and even death to Mary by stoning, um, takes sort of a liberal direction, I guess. Um, you know, I mean, he's maybe a sort of progressive in his righteousness. Um, he plans to just send her away secretly uh, rather than have her stoned. Um, and, of course, he doesn't know the backstory of the Holy Spirit being part of this. But when he was considering this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph um, receives revelation. And that revelation is um, tells him, not, don't be afraid, don't be afraid to break the law and to actually provide covering and to show hospitality, you know, to this uh, pregnant woman. Um, because she will bear a son, and you should call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And, um, and so really, um, and that's what jo- Joseph decides to do. When Joseph awoke from his sleep and did, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but kept her as a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he calls it his name, Jesus. So, you know, Joseph is a is a Rahab-like character who welcomes Mary, and um, and in a way, um, Mary is sort of a Rahab-like character because she's um, you know pregnant out of wedlock, and um, and Joseph has to believe, you know, the angel's um, message, and uh, you know, which is would be hard to believe, I think. And then uh, Joseph continues to have this function of of you know, of protecting and covering, um, you know, when he's told in by an angel and through dreams to take um, Mary and and baby Jesus and flee to Egypt to avoid being killed by Herod, and and then to return, you know, when um, when he hears that Herod has has died, and but then to avoid going back to Bethlehem and to go to Nazareth, um, you know, because he keeps listening, and he he represents. Um, Someone who's Rahab-like, who is um, actually following uh, instructions um, that are given through Revelation, and so um, my hope is that we would be able to be inspired afresh by these stories and let our imaginations be um, really be uh, stirred up and enlarged, and, and um, so that we can really begin to see. You know, just what opportunities um, the Spirit is giving us to move forward and advance um, God's kingdom of love and grace and, uh, you know, and salvation uh, in places where it still needs to, you know, be proclaimed. So let's pray. God, we just thank you for this amazing story. We thank you for Rahab and uh, just the, the faith that you gave her and her powerful proclamation. And we thank you for these spies. That were scoping out the land, and and who um, you know who who didn't let prejudice, um, you know, block them, and who uh, allowed themselves to receive the covering and the protection, and who paid attention and were humble and and listened to the instructions. And we just thank you for how uh, this character became uh, adopted into the uh, people of God. And Lord, let us be people that um, that move in a similar way. And we we just pray for faith and for discernment and clear hearing and seeing. And uh, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.